welcome beautiful soul to the Weaving the Wild podcast. In this space, we are reclaiming and remembering the wildish wisdom and knowledge that lies deep within our bones and reconnecting to those parts of ourselves that are both ancient and familiar. We talk about it all, awakening our collective wildness and dropping back into our bodies honoring our cyclical rhythms, connecting to our roots, embracing our intuitive nature, and living embodied within the feminine. I'm Rachel Hodgins, and I'm honored to be walking this path beside you. Let's dive in. Rayoni Goodsell is a sacred birth keeper, postpartum doula, feminine yoga teacher and womb medicine woman, as well as a devoted mama. She is here by cosmic design to support women in embodying their power and sovereignty within the divine feminine, reconnecting to our wombs, our cycles, and our own sacredness through feminine earth wisdom. I have been blessed to know Bryony beyond the scope of Instagram and the digital world. Bryony has been a doula for my beautiful sister Jess, who some of you might know and follow her work as well. Bryony has been doula for both of Jess's pregnancies. She is deeply woven into our family now because she's just been an integral thread within the unfolding of, you know, new generations essentially and in supporting Jess. It's one of the most beautiful things I think about birth work is the very real and tangible link that is woven. And because of this, Rayoni is just inherently woven into our lives now, certainly for Jess and her little ones, but also mine, which I'm, I'm very grateful for. I literally have a recipe titled Rayoni's Dal in my, my little recipe book, which makes me very happy. I've been so excited to get Bryony onto the podcast for so long since I first launched this podcast, actually. But it, it's just been so hard to decide what to talk about with her because Bryony's work is so rich and far reaching. She's a birth worker, she supports women before and after birth on many levels. She holds so much wisdom about our cycles, the blood mysteries, womb wisdom feminine energy like I, I wanted to talk about it all with her but literally even after we we picked a topic and, and teed up a time to interview I, I actually messaged her the day before just asking like is there anything that's feeling hot on your heart right now that you'd like to weave into our convo tomorrow and she wrote back and said I want to talk about rites of passage. I want to talk about the disconnection from ourselves and our bodies from a young age and the handing over of power to external authorities when we turn up to birth. And that, my friends, is the basis of our conversation here today. I was like, let's do it. <laughs> Literally, the, the other questions went out the window. And I was like, let's talk about rites of passage. And in particular, Menarch and how important this this sacred initiation is within our lives. So in this episode, we talk about Bryony's own initiation into the divine feminine through experiencing an eating disorder, challenges in conception and miscarriage, and her journey to coming home to her body and into the work that she does now. We talk about what the feminine rites of passage are. And in particular, we talk about Menarch, our first bleed. We talk about why this is such a pivotal time in a girl's transition into woman, including the stories we learn and conditioning that we can receive at this time. 
we talk about some of the seemingly inconsequential things that can really impact our experience of Menarche and, and life beyond. We talk about what an empowered Menarche might look and feel like, how we can create this not just for ourselves but for future generations. We talk about the importance of the maiden archetype and why it holds power and magic that is essential in our journey and some of the ways that the maiden is disregarded or denigrated in our culture. We talk about the repercussions of not experiencing a lovingly supported menarch. So what happens when a girl is not lovingly and respectfully guided into her feminine power upon her first bleed and how this shows up at the altar of birth and pregnancy and our, our transition into mother in general, you know, whether you're physically giving birth or not. We talk about the importance of connecting to other women, especially our elder wise women, the magas and crones, plus so much more, more than I can list here. This is a rich and powerful conversation and I'm so honored to share it with you and to sit in this space with a woman like Bryony. As you are listening, if you feel this episode is resonating or that it holds medicine, be sure to screenshot and share it far and wide. Tag Bryony and myself. Bryony is at Sacred Feminine Collective, all one word, and I am at the Rachel Hodgins. Our links will be below, along with links to everything that we mentioned in this episode, people, books, and resources. Be sure to leave the podcast a rating and review. And if you take a screenshot afterwards and send it through to me, I would love to be able to send you a free guided meditation as a gift to say thank you. And now, without any more dilly-dallying, let's bring on Bryony and all of her beautiful energy and wisdom. So welcome, Bryony. Thank you so much for coming on the show today with us. Thank you for having me, Rachel. I would love to start uh, just to hear your how you would describe your journey into, into your work, which is like it just seems to be growing and growing and um, like in the, the depth and the breadth of, of what you offer and how you serve women. Um, so I'd love to hear like within your journey, what led you here? Like what are the, the main initiations maybe within the work of the womb? And as you do share, I wonder if you could also share your, your big three within astrology with us, your, your sun, moon and, and rising sign. Absolutely. Yeah. So my journey has been, yeah, it's been an interesting one. And for me, I think my journey into connecting with myself, with my body, with my womb, with my you know, femininity really began uh, when I was wanting to have a baby. So um, yeah, I was having a lot of problems falling pregnant. And, you know, I, I have always had a really, really strong calling within me to to be a mother and um, at the time when I was wanting to fall pregnant I was actually in denial I guess a lot because I was suffering from an eating disorder and um, I had probably for a few years before that really been um, quite harsh with my body I was over exercising I was under eating I was you know counting every single calorie that was going into my body and I was really really underweight so I'd been going through this experience of um, you know 
self-loathing and um, really sort of suppressing myself and my emotions by using food as a tool and pushing things down. And yeah, so I had all of that going on um, and then I wanted to have a baby. So I was really disconnected from my body. I was really disconnected from what was happening, um, you know, emotionally, mentally and physically. Um, and I was just really focused on wanting to have a baby. This is something that I wanted to do for my whole life. And I guess I felt like, you know, focusing on that would, would bring, bring me happiness, even though I had all of this stuff, all of this baggage, all of this, um, you know, stuff going on with me, focusing on, I guess, not only my external appearance, but what I was lacking in relationships in my life and, um, you know, from stuff going on with me in my upbringing. And um, so, yeah, had all of that going on and then wanted to have a baby. So was trying to conceive and wasn't having any success and was really ignoring, I guess, the fact that my body was screaming at me that I didn't have a menstrual cycle because I was extremely underweight and I was um, abusing my body. And just trying to sort of, yeah, just push through that. Um, and so, yeah, my body was giving me all of these signs that, you know, I needed to connect and I needed to change, you know, the way I was treating my body and, and work through um, stuff that was going on. Um, but I chose to ignore that for a long time. And um, I did did try after a little while to sort of do some um, healing, I guess, naturally. So I did have that aspect of, um, of healing open up to me in the way of natural therapies. So... I had never really been connected deeply with natural therapies before, but um, on my healing path, um, trying to get pregnant, not really, not really trying to heal um, what was going on within my body for myself, but trying to heal my body to get pregnant, I connected in with natural therapies. So, you know, yoga and um, acupuncture and those sorts of things. Um, and then in connecting with those elements, I also sort of did connect in with nutrition as well and, and how that could be having a really big impact on my fertility journey. So I went on and, and started to study. So I went into um, uh, college and started to study a, a diploma of nutrition. So doing um, that study was actually a really big part of um, healing myself, um, healing my body and, and realising, you know, my relationship with food and how important food um, was, you know, in this, this fertility journey, but also in you know what was going on with myself also so that was definitely my first real big connection with um how disconnected I was with my feminine with my own journey I mean I wasn't having a cycle you know and that wasn't it wasn't really flagged to me personally as you know your body's telling you something is wrong it was just I was having problems getting pregnant and what mm. can I do to to override that so mm. um I did go down that natural path for a while and um you know was impatient and I really wanted to have a baby so then I went down the um, assisted conception path and connected in with IVF and um decided to pursue that. So I was still doing the natural things on the side, um, but also decided to pursue that because I was impatient and I didn't really want to just do the work that I needed to do to heal my body fully um, and just wanted to trust that medical path because, again, that was you know, what had been presented to me as a, a woman in our modern-day culture was that, you know, yeah, your body might be telling you all these things, but hey, here are the experts and here's this external solution. And, and this is going to be the quicker way just to go down that path and, and to get you to where you want to get to. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's um, yeah, where I ended up journeying. And um, that was, yeah, I guess, sort of the first part of my connection with that other side of um, 
the, the, the feminine journey in a way of, I guess, handing over our, our power and not listening to the signs that our body are giving us and, and stepping into that realm instead and, um, yeah, getting getting experts on my body to help me, even though the signs were clearly there, clearly there for me. Yeah. So after that, um, I, I did go on to fall pregnant after a while. It did take a while, quite a few um, unsuccessful rounds. I did fall pregnant and um, my partner and I were over the moon. I ended up losing that pregnancy at 13 weeks, which was and it still is today something that I, I do find hard to really sort of sit with because it is, it is really, um, yeah, it just takes me right back to that moment and to all of those emotions and feelings and, yeah, the... Um, the, the way I felt about my body as well in in that you know I, I felt like a failure you know I'd gone through all of all of that process and was so excited and then all of a sudden you know this happened and it was quite devastating so yeah so I went through that process and then I did fall pregnant again not too far after it which was um, the pregnancy of my daughter who is now 18. Um, that pregnancy again was as a journey further for me into um, the connection with my body. So although I had gone down that medical path to conceive as well as having the alternate therapies on the side, um, I was very much enjoying um, the changes that were happening in my body. I was really surrendering to letting my body be, you know, someone that had been through a, an eating disorder for years and had, you know, really struggled with the body image and body weight. You know, I really enjoyed the pregnancy and and the fact that my body was just changing and it was okay. It was almost like but I was giving myself permission to just let everything happen because I was growing this baby and I wanted it to be healthy. And, you know, it really was almost, um, yeah, permission from myself to just let myself, you know, be as well, which was really, really lovely. So I really surrendered into the changes that came with pregnancy. And I, I really feel like that helped me connect further into my body and, and into my femininity as well. Um, I was originally booked in to have private obstetrics care for my first pregnancy and then I connected in with uh, a wonderful childbirth education um, course and at around 24, it was 24 weeks, I had a, a total backflip and went, holy shit, <laughs> what am I doing? This really doesn't resonate with what I'm wanting for my labour and for my birth. Um, so I, I did a backflip and, and wrote my obstetrician a nice long letter and being the good girl that I was, um, you know, apologised and wanted him to know that it wasn't, you know, him that I was leaving. And, yeah, just I really cringe when I think back to, <laughs> to that person at that time. But anyway, that's what I did. And I booked in to the midwifery um, care model um, at the Royal Hospital for Women and had the rest of my pregnancy under the care of the midwives and, and it really felt more um, aligned with what I was wanting for, for my birth experience. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I went on to, to have a really amazing labour and birth um, with my daughter. Uh, I really felt like that was a huge initiation for me into trusting my body and connecting with my body and feeling that empowerment as a woman with my body and what my body can do and um yeah that was massive massive for me and I often reflect on um the polarities I guess of what my experience could have been like if I hadn't have had that connection at that stage in my pregnancy with the um woman that really helped me to kind of have more information and to sort of sit with what felt right for me um and my intuition and as opposed to the experience that I ended up having um with my daughter so that was absolutely um the biggest initiation into the womb connection, femininity, my body, the power of my body um, and, you know, taking back my power, I guess, and, and realising, you know, after the journey that I'd been through that, you know, a lot of it was 
you know, my body, I need to trust my body. I need to listen to my body. My body has birthed this baby and grown this baby and how freaking amazing it is um, and how much I had been punishing my body and really sort of opened up my heart and, and my mind to, you know, how I can treat my body differently, how I can continue to connect with my body going forward more and, and what I wanted to represent I guess for my daughter too having a daughter now and and as she you know started to grow and change and you know how I wanted to be a positive um, role model for her in terms of how I treated my body and listened to my body and and didn't I guess hand over that external power to other people to try and fix me when you know really it was it was an inside job that that needed to happen for me Mm. Um, I then went on to to have other um, pregnancies and then I had um, births of my two boys again which were amazing experiences and I guess reaffirming the power of my body and um, the huge transformation that you go through as a woman when you give birth just being able to experience those rites of passage in a a beautifully supported and empowered way um, absolutely changed my life and sent me in the direction of of what I offer to the world and what I do now. And I'm just so grateful for those little moments that, you know, you make choices or you have those engagements or interactions with people and just thinking, you know, if I hadn't have gone through those those challenges, um, those hard times, that I probably wouldn't be sitting here doing what I do now and feeling the way I do about, you know, the cycles of womanhood and and, um, sacred feminine and, and helping other women to connect in with that part that's already in them but quite often we're disconnected from or we're not aware of because of of the culture that we are um, growing up in or or living in yeah so yeah it's um yeah there's always always the gold that comes from from the hard and the dark times and I truly believe that um yeah there's always amazing things that come out of challenging experiences that can really um help us help ourselves but also then help others as well in connecting with with that part of their journey mm. um, and just yeah, circling back I guess to my signs so uh, my sun <laughs> is in Leo my moon is in Virgo and um, my Libra is my rising so oh it's so beautiful the fact that your moon is Virgo I mean I was a, like part of the, the Leo energy I can kind of I can kind of get anyone who's met like Bryony will know this like you're, you're the most beautiful gentle nurturing soul so there's like the warmth and love of leo um but like this virgo piece of like this beautiful grounded earthly healer as well and i i like that is just pure brony to me and then libra i mean i know libra i'm a double libra (laughs) sign so (laughs) yeah that beautiful again like that beautiful nourishing peaceful nurturing energy i just yeah so beautiful what I have discovered recently in a session that I have done with Michaela, who I know you recently had on your um, podcast, was that I also have Venus is really strong in my charts and that I was mm. born on the day of Aphrodite and that she's a really strong presence. Um, and I really like to tap into her energy in, in the work that I do with women now. You know, I think it's it's such a beautiful, strong, powerful energy to, to work with with women too. So I love knowing that she's just sort of sitting there and and helping to guide me on, on, the, on the journey as well. Mm. As you were sharing... Rony, the the words that kept coming up was this initiation, this initiation into my into like connecting with my body, to like my like just my own self awareness. This initiation of of giving birth. You you did use like the the term rite of passage as well, um, but this this term of initiation, I think, is one that's so lacking in in our culture. 
it's just so very absent. So we don't realize that it's missing (laughs) or we don't necessarily realize that the initiation, I suppose, is actually taking place, but we're not conscious of it and we are not being consciously led through. What I'm so excited to speak with you about today, Rayoni, is this concept of rites of passage and in particular the feminine rites of passage. And once upon a time, this this wasn't I, I love to think about the fact that these this knowledge wasn't even something that was was taught to us right it wasn't that like these this knowledge was passed down and, and explained to us it was lived it was witnessed we we witnessed these rites of passage and we were included in these rites of passage we witnessed them in other women and other beings and we were led through and experienced them ourselves so this was like these rites of passage were lived and experienced and celebrated and mm-hmm. i i really i'm really excited to talk about this today with you especially um in light of of what you just shared in your own story, because I, I really feel it's it speaks, I think, to so many women's experience and just this this oh, what, how do I even word it? It's like we don't realize the disconnect is there until we feel the tension, right? Mm-hmm. Um, of of its lacking. <laughs> in our you know, connection to ourselves, to our own power, our own energy and source. And so I would love to start today. Could you share with us what these feminine rites of passage are? Um, when we're talking about like these feminine rites of passage, some people are probably intimately familiar and others are like, what are you talking about? So could you mm-hmm. give us just like a quick, like brief little rundown on, on what these rites of passage are? Mm, absolutely yeah so with each season of life there's a rite of passage or an initiation that marks the ending of one season and then the beginning of the next so whether it's consciously or um, just by default the the messaging um, that we receive at this time really tells us a lot about what the culture expects of us so what the culture values um, and how we're meant to sort of show up for our, our next role so we are moving from one stage into the next Um, And yeah, it is definitely a time of transition. And usually there would be a ceremony or a ritual in traditional cultures to really honour and celebrate and help guide the individual into this next stage of life so that they know what is expected of them. But like you mentioned, in our modern day culture, there just really isn't anything. Um, You know, there's not really any celebration or ritual I mean you know yeah okay you turn 21 and you go to the pub or you have a party or whatever like I mean you know there's there's ritual and celebration and then there's ritual and celebration Mm. so Mm. um you know for for women there are four particular phases in our life that we move through which have key rites of passage so the phases that we have we have maiden we have mother, we have maga, and we have crone. So in the first stage of our life, we actually have two rites of passage. So our first rite of passage is our own birth. So even though we you know, can't remember it, so to speak, it imprints on us. So a rite of passage at birth is not only for the mother, but it's also for the baby as well. So that's our first rite of passage, our first initiation into life, into, you know, what what it looks like, what we're surrounded by and what imprints on us at that actual experience that we go through when we are birthed into the world. So that first rite of passage is is part of that first stage of of being um, a girl. Um, And then the second one that we move through, a really huge key part is um, 
the one in The Maiden, where we move through uh, having our first menarch, so our first bleed. That's when we move from being a child into, you know, experiencing um, what's expected of us as, as a woman. How are we treated um, in society? How are we meant to show up? Um, and our menarch is a huge rite of passage for us in our journey as, as women. So following on from that um, rite of passage, which I know we're going to circle back to talk more about, we then have the mother. So it's either giving birth yourself to a baby um, and it's also giving birth to other projects uh, as well, mother. It's not just physically birthing a baby. And it also comes into play in our life, whether or not we birth a child or not, around about age 25. So we move from maiden into mother. Um, and when we talk about birth as well for that motherhood stage, it's also birthing um, I mean, any birth, so whether it ends up with a baby, it, it's, you know, it's, it's pregnancy loss, it's terminations, it's, um, you know, everything that we birth, projects, businesses, anything. But so mother is that next key rite of passage. Uh, and then we've also got, it used to just go the three phase way, it used to go maiden, mother, crone. But now that we have these um, longer life expectancies, we have this stage in between mother and crone, which is maga. Uh, which starts at menopause and takes a woman through to retirement age, which is then when the crone appears, uh, the retirement to death stage. So we have four stages. Each of them have key rites of passage. The first one having those two key rites of passage being your birth and your menarch. Hmm. Perfect. I, mm -hmm. I think that's just perfect. And yeah, before we do, I, I really want to circle around menarch today mm -hmm. because there's just so much, so much within Menarch and, and the maiden phase of our lives that I just want to just dig into. Um, mm. But I do, I, I, I love the fact that when you, you shared about uh, the, the mother, because it, it's, it's funny, this is a loaded term. It's a loaded word for so many reasons. And so, mm -hmm. Uh, just the invitation for anyone who might feel some resistance when you hear that around like, you know, shifting into mother or shifting into the, the mother phase, that can include, yes, giving birth and becoming a literal mother. It can include, well, that, that rite of passage into mother can include pregnancy or birth that, that doesn't result in, in a, you know, a little baby in your arms. Mm -hmm. And it can include how you birth anything into the world. So this is the time when we are birthing and offering forth mm. into the yeah. world. Peak creativity, you know, you're mm -hmm. birthing, you're, you're nurturing things. So it might be you're nurturing things in community or anything. It's just that stage of our life, that's when those um, characteristics are really amplified for us. So creativity and birthing and nurturing deep in that, that stage of life. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Okay, let's let's come back now to Menarch um, because I think this is, as a as I said, this to me I think of Menarch as the rite of passage itself, and then also this this phase of maidenhood, um, which is also very loaded. There is a lot of uh, perspectives around around this energy in this phase as well in our in our lives um but I, I wonder if you could go a little deeper with us into why menarch why our first bleed our first menstrual cycle is so important yeah so our menarch and how it is treated how it is celebrated or not celebrated really sets the tone for how we view being a woman in our culture 
So for most women that I talk to, when we talk about, you know, what was your first menarch like? What was your experience? How, how was your mum with you? What happened? For most women, it's, oh, because oh, hard to remember. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, this is what happened or it was no big deal or I got given a pad and then just got told what to do. Um, yeah, it imprints on how we are, are taught to show up and, and what value we are given as a woman in our culture. So how we, are initi- how we are initiated into womanhood, um, you know, it tells us something really special has happened or something really special has not happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also, I guess, shows us, you know, well, what happens here? So we, we get told, you know, that, we can't, that we're about to have something every month that we can't control unless we perhaps take a magic pill that's given to us by someone else that will help us manage it. Um, you know, it's an inconvenience, um, it's painful. Um, it's, you know, the term that commonly gets thrown around is it's a curse. Um, so there's all these negative connotations that, that are surrounded with that, that men are becoming a woman as well. So the message is that whether they're consciously um, given to us or unconsciously given to us, it helps to really shape us to how we view our body. You know, do we, we view our body as, wow, we've got this amazing opportunity each month to, to cycle through these different stages and to really embrace what's happening in our body and, wow, we get to, to potentially, you know, give birth to a human or do we get messages that make us feel shame or that we've got to like hide it away? Like that's huge when it comes to, to periods and, and menarche, you know, is, okay, here's a tampon, go and plug it up so no one knows you, you're bleeding or, you know, just hide it away. It's, it's a huge message that we get in our culture when we have that first bleed. And, and think about how that then impacts on us as women. Can we show up exactly as we are or are we meant to sort of suppress our emotions and our feelings or the fact that we bleed every month. I mean, mm. it's it's massive what, what goes on around that time and how it imprints on us and how it shows up for us in the rest of our womanhood journey, particularly when it, when we're turning up at the birth altar if we choose to have children as well. Mm. So another thing that we do, I'll just talk to as well, when we have that first menarche, you think about how you get educated at school. It's all about you know, it's about the practical part, you know, there's this whole other side of the magic of the cycle that, you know, we can connect in with. But at school, you know, it's very much you get told the basics, the, the biology of it all, and then the focus is on not getting pregnant, right? So it's this fear, like this fear that gets, you know, kind of embedded into a straight away of fear of, you know, getting pregnant. And, again, that then leads into, you know, but if you take this magic pill every month, you know, not only will you be able to control your fertility and not get pregnant, but, you know, you can control your symptoms or, you know, uh, these these things that are inconvenient to other people, you know, perhaps if you go on this pill, it might suppress, you know, your, your emotions and you might be more easy to manage, you know. It's all about that, I guess, convenience for society is a big theme that, that gets bestowed on girls as they move into the, um, the menstrual phase of their life mm. as well. I think that speaks so so like perfectly as well to the way that like what what we experience within our menarch directly um informs us of not just like it's it's our relationship to ourself and our relationship to the feminine and so when we're receiving the like education in, in quotation marks like we do at school so commonly like you said like it's it the conversation is you are now able to get pregnant this is how you don't get pregnant um, <laughs> like that that story that creates this sense of fear 
And therefore there's like shame because it's, it's like, this is something that I can't let this happen to me. And my body um, is doing this thing. Like there's this part of me that can get pregnant and that Mm. therefore is um, fertile and like sexual and sensual. And that's wrong basically. Mm. And so like, there's like these two parallel stories that go on where it's like, um, you know, this is like going off on a whole other tangent, but like we live in a world that sexualizes young women. And then we live in a world where we are shamed for our sexuality. Mm-hmm. And as we're like, um, so this like complete confused messaging as we are entering into this, this new phase of not just like of our like lives, but like into this new role in the world. Right. And yeah, as we're receiving this, it's like as we're moving through this initiation and this change, like who we are is changing. There's also this like very confused message that we're receiving and therefore like a, just a sense, a complete sense of fear and mistrust, at least with the word that's coming through, yeah. around the feminine in the world and the feminine within ourselves, like that that aspect within ourselves that is deeply rooted and feminine, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Everything that you've just said. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's so confusing for, for young women to, to know. And because we don't have these rites of passage, we don't have these ceremonies and rituals where the elders come in and, and sort of really um, surround you with love and celebration. It can be really confusing for, for young mm-hmm. girls and just not having that that guidance and, and having most women be very secretive about their cycle as well. So hiding it each month and not sharing it with, with young girls and even with young boys. I don't think it matters, girls, boys, whatever. I think, you know, we need to be more open with, with what's happening as, as grown women with, with those around us because the more that we continue to, to hold it close and, and not share it openly, it's, it's kind of just um, letting that fear and that shame continue to manifest, really. We need to shift that... Um, that mindset about our periods and we need to share more about it. So it becomes a normal part. I mean, how much more normal can it be that it's a normal part of life, right? This is part of being a human. You know, this is where life comes from. I mean, it it should be such a normal part of life, but it's just been so suppressed and hidden away. And and something that one of my teachers, dear Jane Hardwick-Collins, often says is, the key is if there is, you know, suppression or fear around something, it's hidden away, the shame, then there's a key that there's power there, that that's mm-hmm. where there is power. And there is such power in the menstrual cycle and, and in being a woman. And you can see why there is this disconnect and this shame that's been created by that patriarchal culture surrounding that part of, of womanhood because there is power and magic there. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So... When I was sharing earlier around like that this, we, we have like our menarch, which is like this, the event, right? Like we talk about like it's the first initiation, our very first bleed and what happens around that time. And, and I think it's important for us to say as well, like, and, and Jane teaches this as well, what happens around that time, it's not even just about like, you know, what, who supported you? What were you told about your bleed? What were you told about your body? What were your experiences directly around your, your menstruation, but also what was happening in your life around that time? Um, so if, if there was like a, 
a particular, like a loss in the family, like maybe a grandparent died or maybe there was a divorce that was happening, you know, around this time. What is happening around you as you are stepping into this new chapter of your life directly informs how you understand um, how to show up and how to be, what is acceptable for you or what is accept- what makes you acceptable um, around others essentially. So there's like this key portal, right, which leads us then into this, this new phase, this new um, extended period of time within our lives that we, we would call maiden, maidenhood, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and even that is a loaded word. Like so many people hear the, the term maiden and it's like, I'm not no maiden, I'm no damsel in distress type thing. But again, this is like, this is messaging, right? It's the connotations mm-hmm. have been placed upon it. Um, and you speak about, you know, the the things that we're taught to shun or to, to laugh off or, you know, to speak about in hushed voices. That's a very key indicator that there is power that lies within that. And I think there's a lot of conversation around, you know, reclaiming the power of mother and, and of crone as well, which like is slowly growing, like in certain mm. circles of conversation. But I I feel like maiden, like the maiden is thrown under the bus so much. I feel like there's a lot of conversations around the maiden that speaks of it as as our wounding or as something that we are to to move through in order to get to mother and be and you know become our power mm-hmm. and the way that i feel the way that i relate to maiden energy when when we are engaging with maiden in its healthy form in its purest form it is sovereign energy it is the energy of learning and curiosity and open freedom. Mm-hmm. And so I, the way I really see, like I have this vision. I remember sitting in a very deep healing circle with you, not even a year ago, Bryony, Um, And I had this vision of the maidens in my family to come, my descendants, as well as all future maidens, where we had this relationship with ourselves where we felt comfortable and supported to venture out into the world and get to know the world, to be willing to not have to know the answers, to be willing, like not even willing, it's just like this energy where it's like I can step forth and I don't have to worry about being right or wrong because I'm just learning. I'm getting to know what this world is and my like how I be in it. And mm. that's fucking beautiful. <laughs> and it's, it's only by fully being in that energy and being like feeling so purely like yourself as you move through the world and learn who you are that you eventually become who you are and that is to me that is the transition into mother we meet that at these rites of passage where like very very directly like where we are giving birth and like that everything we've learned about ourselves we come face to face with for example but it's a process of becoming um and so I just I that all just had to come out because when you said about you know 
these these rites of passage and the things that we often shun as I said we we talk about this a lot around um the shame that that's been instilled but like what shame are we like what is shame concealing over when we reach our menarch and when we step forward into maidenhood it is it is the very very deliberate (laughs) uh story that has convinced us and distorted us to and be afraid to venture into our own power and our own self, I suppose, mm-hmm. and to engage with the world in that way. Is there anything I've just got, I've just done this whole ramble just then. Is there like, <laughs> how, share, like, is there anything that's kind of coming through as well as I'm, as I'm talking there? No, look, I mean, it's just beautiful to sit and to listen to you sharing that because yeah, it really resonates with, with me as well. And, you know, I do feel like there is, there's a lot of pressure on, on the maiden and, and, and not allowing her just to fully be in that stage of life. And it is beautiful and it is free and it's just carefree. That is the stage of life that it is. And, you know, it would be really beautiful if, if we could have that, that gentle support around maidens from, you know, the mothers and the margas and the crones to really sort of just hold her from a distance and allow her to be exactly where she needs to be because yeah that that's all she really needs to be doing but there's always like the pressure I guess our our culture puts the pressure on you know to be moving into the next stage to have you know the goal mark set at you know becoming a mother or doing this or whatever rather than just embracing that stage and allowing you know a woman to to just be fully in in the stage of life that she's in Mm. and also just this culture of it's like the culture of the expert, right? We mm-hmm. have to, we have to know, we have to have the answers. And so yeah. if we don't, if we don't actually know what we're doing, we feel like we're failing or it's That's this right. whole fake it till you make it kind of thing. Mm. Um, I can't remember exactly this word. I, I, I read a quote somewhere one time where someone was like, if, forget fake it till you make it, face it till you make it or something like mm. that, where it's just like, what if rather than pretend we know until we do, what if we actually just said, I don't know can you explain that to me or can you like tell me more about that or can you walk me through that? We just, there's this, um, and even within that, there's like this, uh, this can, like there's there's this like almost self-worth thing where it's just like we make ourselves, we, we immediately feel smaller when we don't know something. But I wonder then like in terms of this rite of passage of Menarch, bringing it back a little bit, Mm. could you share with us like what what is your vision even like what is what would a healthy supported menarch and transition into womanhood or maidenhood look like Mm. so I think it starts before the actual menarch I think that's the thing you know it's, it's being surrounded by women being surrounded by you know bleeding women that you know that openly share I mean what's happening with them throughout the cycle so that it normalizes the changes it normalizes you know I'm feeling like I need to retreat from the world I'm about to bleed Um, you know kind of just sharing that then normalizes it and also celebrating the the parts of it that you know can help a, a young woman really be excited about moving into that stage so I think the normalizing it is the first stage. So before she's even at that age where she'll start to bleed and having celebrations surrounding it. So imagine being a young girl and seeing older girls be initiated and be celebrated as they start that stage of their life. Like there would be excitement surrounding it. There wouldn't be that apprehension or, oh, I'm going to start bleeding soon. Then I'm going to have this inconvenience and blah, blah, blah. 
it's actually something that a young girl would look forward to because she'd get this special event that she'd seen other girls go through. Mm. And so for her, it would be anticipation of, wow, I can't wait until I start to bleed and then I can have my special day where I get pampered and I get celebrated by the older women. And like imagine setting that as, as the, um, the benchmark for, wow, this is what I get to experience when I become a woman, as opposed to, you know, maybe feeling fear or dread or worry about how am I going to manage bleeding when I'm at school or you know, how am I going to hide it away? Because I truly feel like that is still the message that girls are receiving is, mm. you know, that it just doesn't get talked about it. It gets suppressed and, and covered up. I mean, yeah, imagine if we could change that narrative and have it be something that you look forward to. Hmm. I, I think it's so easy, like when we're listening to conversations like this and when we're learning about, you know, men art, for example, it's so easy to discount or not even discount, but like we're blind to our own experiences so often. And like, I'm just, I'm just going to reiterate, like, nothing is inconsequential around this time. Like mm-hmm. even, um, you know, I even think of like when I, I did not have like what I would call an unpleasant um, menarch, like I, I only vaguely remember it, but I, my, I've always had a relationship with my mom that's very open and she's always been, you know, supportive and everything. And she, you know, was like, oh, this is wonderful, like, you know, and gave me the things and everything. But also, you know, was given like a little bag to put, keep in my school bag. And like the energy though around that was just like, here's something, you know, you just put that in your bag and just, you know, just quietly, if you need it at school, it's there. But there's still like this, like, you know, it's what's not said, it's how it's mm. said, right? Around mm-hmm. like, you don't have to worry. This is like, you know, kind of like inconspicuous and, and yeah. you know, all of this thing. And yeah, anything that happens around this time. I also, um, something else that just came then is like something that I notice or hear a lot from women and within my own client work is the way that relationship dynamics change upon getting their first period, particularly with their fathers. Mm -hmm. Um, If you have a relationship with your father um, or you did around this time uh, is also something that has a huge, huge impact and informs um, women around their menarche and their role, not just of the feminine, but their relationship to the masculine Mm -hmm. Um, because something just something I I suppose to to reflect on if you're listening as well is yeah not just like the direct things that happen to you but the way that energies and relationships and dynamics may have altered or shifted or changed even ever so slightly um around and after that time just gonna pop that there as well yeah for sure definitely something to reflect on as well okay so I'd love to go just that little bit deeper then now around what, and I know we've spoken about like these are, you know, some of the stories and things that can come up that can, you know, imprint on us around this time. But what are, what would you say are the repercussions of a transition or an initiation into womanhood, into maidenhood um, that isn't supported and led and that, uh, you know, feeds that disconnect narrative to the Mm. feminine, particularly as we are moving through like not necessarily even just at that time but through I would say like our early 20s and leading us toward that initiation into mother I know you spoke earlier around like how like at the the 
the altar of birth mm. um this this comes in a lot so even around you know like preconception it's not just preconception obviously but like what are the repercussions um of, of being disconnected yeah they are huge they really really are and um you know I've worked in the birth, birth realm for 16 or so years now with with women and what I've really learned is that the changes need to start right back at the beginning so you know we really need to to start to connect in with our bodies to to feel that trust to to be in tune with our cycles and and how our body works and to feel that deep trust and and reverence with the body you have the experience that you need to meet you where you're at based on your life experience and what your um your ideas are what your um expectations your values your you know the way you view things will help to shape your experience so yeah birth often brings up stuff from your own birth that you don't realize unless you kind of unpack it or from your first bleed your menarche stories surrounding those rites of passage will turn up for for how you show up in in the birth space Um, and that is something that I often work with women during pregnancy or preconception is to to talk about their birth experience talk to their mother if that's possible you know what was their birth like you know what sort of birth was it and what was who was present um you know was it a long birth or a short birth or were you induced or we really delve deep into the actual process of your birth to help sort of you know identify ways that you show up in the world which then affect how you show up in the birth space as well so these Mm -hmm. rites of passage you know even if you don't realize it they do imprint on you and they do show up when it comes to that stage where you are you know wanting to conceive and then looking at at going into labor and birth as well so if we can shift I guess that the paradigm and shift you know how we're viewing our bodies how we're connecting with our wombs how we're trusting our intuition from a young age then really we just sort of get to a, a stage where we're wanting to if we do choose to have a child that we've already done a lot of the work or we're already kind of in that comfortable place where we we trust the body we view birth in a certain way as opposed to being really used to just handing over our power to the experts or to that external authority because we are very much shaped in our culture to do that, that, you know, if there's something up, you go and see someone else. You don't actually kind of go, hang on, what's happening in my body emotionally, physically, mentally? You know, we don't really sort of have that viewpoint where, you know, we mm. are the experts of our bodies or that deep trust in our bodies. We, we hand it over or we look for external help rather than sort of turning inwards. And I think if we're used to doing that, if we're raised in a way where we have been able to connect with our bodies and and do that work internally, then when we show up at that space, you know, we are a lot more confident and trusting of of the female power in the body um, as opposed Mm. to just wanting to sort of hand it over and get someone else to to do it for us or to put our trust and faith wholly in someone else and and not in ourselves. Mm. It's so huge and I think there's there's so many layers. Like, you know, given the world that we live in, I think it's probably virtually impossible to, especially if you are going to give birth, I think it's virtually impossible to reach that that point of, of labour and birth without having some form of conditioning, like mm-hmm. without carrying some form of the the narrative that's been placed upon it you know for sure um and so like even before like we say anything else I feel like we just need to put this here that's like 
there's nothing wrong with you and wherever you're at you don't like you know there's there's no um you don't need to be further ahead than you know in your healing or your clearing or whatever it is than where you already are that's that's not the the point or the conversation even that needs Absolutely. to be had yeah um, but but in that these these points and these these moments and rites of passage are these key moments where we have the opportunity to to really witness what's present and to absolutely to meet that yeah yeah and I mean I didn't have I didn't have an upbringing where I was connected and and I was you know given ritual and celebration like I didn't have any of that and mm. I was very disconnected to my body as as I spoke about before and and you know it, each experience that you go through, I mean, it's a rite of passage, whether it's celebrated in that way or not, it is a rite of passage, regardless of your experience. And you do have the experience that you need to have mm. to meet you where you're at right now. So yes, most of us aren't going to have this idyllic, you know, upbringing where we are super connected to our bodies and to the feminine and it's all celebrated. Like that's just not the way of the world we're living in. Mm. Um, so absolutely. It's not to shame anyone at all. And um, I absolutely didn't have that experience myself. <laughs> so mm. And I, I think it's funny, like completely the same. Like my mum often says, like she'll look at Jess, my sister and I, and obviously you, you know Jess quite intimately as well. Um, mm. And I know actually a lot of the listeners also know Jess and, and follow follow my sister and her work too. But my mum will often look at us and she'll just be like, I don't know where you two came from. Like <laughs> I, I truly don't. And my mum is very intuitive. She doesn't think of it in that way, but um, like she does, she's not fully connected to to that in that the mm -hmm. same way that we are. Um, but yeah, like it, 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 it's something I think that just kind of awakens um, yeah. at some point. And you go but... through your own life experiences as well. Exactly. So whether it's like you spoke about before, it doesn't have to be, a key rite of passage in terms of, you know, it's the monarch or the birth or whatever. Mm. Like there are other rites of passage that you experience through in, in your life that changed you. Yeah. So yeah, there are there are lots of other opportunities in your life or moments where you have a shift or, you know, you might look at something differently or have an awakening or whatever you want to call it. So absolutely mm. there are other other times in your life where things, yeah, shift and change as well. A hundred percent. I wonder then if if like to to kind of round this out. If someone is listening and they're like, oh, shit, like I, <laughs> I hadn't really thought about this in terms of how, how my first period or my first bleed actually impacted me. I never really thought until this moment about the way that that thing my mother said or my auntie or my, my best friend's mum said or something that I learned at school um, actually impacted not just like what I understood about like what my cycle is, but how I feel about my body and how I feel about being a woman and and mm. all of these things that may be kind of starting to to unravel within your your mind as you're listening. I wonder, Rani, if you might be able to share like how might we then be able to turn around and and approach this and to kind of look at I don't like using the word healing our men art, but rewriting our story, I suppose, yeah. around this. Yeah, you can always rewrite your story. So you can always change, you know, how you're showing up, how you're feeling about your body, about your menstrual cycle. Um, yeah, so you can you can do it by just beginning to connect in with your cycle. So starting to have a relationship with your body each month, starting to observe, you know, your different moods, 
what your body's doing, just tracking the flow of your cycle is, is a really simple and really effective way of starting to connect in. So maybe you've been disconnected, maybe you've not wanted to pay attention to your period or what happens in your body. So just that connection is a beautiful place to start, is really mm-hmm. just, you know, and sending yourself love, like telling your body, telling your womb, I love you, I'm grateful for you, thank you, just that acknowledgement of the amazing um and the amazingness of your feminine cycle in your body is a, is a beautiful way to start um, to, to change the way that you view femininity, that you, you view your body as, as being a woman. So mm-hmm. you can also do um, ritual or ceremony with people to go back to that time and, and have a celebration, you know, have an honouring ceremony of that first menarch and, and give that young maiden in you what she didn't have perhaps. That's a really beautiful way to, to sort of recreate um, a story for you. So you can choose at any time to rewrite your story. It mm. doesn't have to be how you show up or how you view your body for the rest of your life. Mm. So there's just some simple ways to, to, to change it up. I love that so much. Is there anything as well before we kind of like shift towards like the end and our little rapid fire questions? Is there mm-hmm. anything around the just the, the, the rites of passage around um, our relationship to the feminine through these rites of passage? Is there anything else that you you feel like you just need to say and share and have people receive today? Yeah, I guess the big thing for me is that you you don't, like we spoke about, you, you can't go back and change what may have happened in the past and you, you can beat yourself up about, well, I didn't have that experience or I did this or I did that, but that's the past and you can always change it. And I just think by if you have this little niggling feeling or something that comes up in you, you know, maybe it's when you're planning to conceive or if you're pregnant, so, so often women may have made a choice that they feel like, oh, this doesn't resonate me, but I've already decided to do this or my friend's saying this or my mum's saying this or my partner's saying this, is to always try and like just listen to that little inkling inside of you. So if something feels like maybe you may need to make a little shift or, you know, maybe you need to change a care provider or maybe you want to do things a little bit differently, is, is just to listen to that little inkling, little voice or feeling inside of you and not to just kind of go, oh, well, you know, I don't know, you know, I'm not the expert or, you know, so-and-so knows better than me, is just to sort of try to, to listen into that. Um, and you can even just try and start to listen into that a little bit more each day just you know how how am I feeling what feels right for me because we spend so much of our day-to-day life looking externally whether that be on social media looking scrolling what's what what are other people doing what what should we be doing it's it's just trying to hone back into yourself and Mm -hmm. even just sitting quietly for five or ten minutes closing your eyes hand on heart hand on womb what is my body telling me what am I feeling you know sort of really trying to tap into that inner sense of of connection and intuition because it's really hard for us in our busy day-to-day life to to really you know listen and and get the signs that we are sending ourselves mm. I appreciate that so much and when I as you're speaking I have the that beautiful it's a Native American uh saying um that it's around the rites of passage and it's I'm going to be paraphrasing here so apologies for not perfecting this but it's it's something like at menarch a woman meets her power at birth a woman practices her power and at menopause a woman becomes her power and Mm. I think that all through our conversation I think that that's that's the line that's been thread 
through everything that you've been sharing as well, Bryony, is like it's first off being because what what I'm hearing you say is it's it's your inner knowing, it's your intuition, mm. and that is one of your greatest assets and allies. Like it's not just a power; it, it's it's your means of and and like compass moving through your life and when we've like been devoid of like connection to that which is like it's during menarch and our maiden when we meet that when that's the whole point of being able to get out in the world and and learn how to be in the world is it's like engaging with our surroundings and like learning how like you know what does that make me feel oh does that feel good or bad or does that feel right to me you know is that what that person said does that feel wrong or am I feeling like "Mm, that doesn't really resonate like all of these things um is meeting ourselves and witnessing oh what what's my truth you know and then once we meet that then we can start to practice it you know Mm. and yeah, as as you're sharing, I, I, that's what I, I I'm really feeling is like as we shift into mother, although the phase of mother, we have this opportunity to really start to not just know what's what's our truth and what's you know feels right or, or wrong, good or bad, whatever you might say. It's also to to act upon that really truthfully and faithfully to yourself. And so yeah, just. The practice of that doesn't have to be outrageous and like, you know, mm. um, you know, grand moments of pivotal change. It, it can just be small moments, but all of it is practicing it, you know. Yeah. Um, and I love that saying so much because mm. it really, really does sum up, you know, mm. that experience. And, and, you know, like you said, just there's so much noise out there. There is so much noise. It can be really hard to kind of go, well, what, what, what? do I want to do or what feels right for me? So mm. it is, it's about taking those moments of stillness and, and going through those stages and, and stepping into, well, that's maybe someone else's point of view, but I'm going to do what feels right for me and being okay with that. And that comes with, you know, age and yeah. time as well, that confidence to step into that place, but also knowing that it's okay to just do things your way. It's okay to not do maybe what the majority of people choose to do because you know what life is is very much you know you're on your own individual journey so mm-hmm. really important to, to just yeah remember that it's okay to just make decisions that may not resonate with everyone else 100 <laughs> percent. oh this has just been wonderful I'm just I'm so happy and grateful to just have you and your energy finally on the show um thank you I, I would love to finish with a few quick little questions that I love mm-hmm. to ask everyone. If you're ready. I'm ready. So the first question is what is nourishing your soul right now? So what are the practices that really bring you home to your body and awaken your soul? Mm. So the big thing for me is so simple at the moment. It's just getting out into nature. So, you know, just getting out, preferably barefoot. I love to walk barefoot. We've got a beautiful um part of nature at the back of where I live and I just love to just every day just try and get out there even if it's for 15 minutes just to go for a wander feeding the earth just looking up at the trees just connecting in with the nature that's around just being and observing and just really grounding down um, getting away from screens away from being inside and just just being out in nature whether it's raining or sunny or, or whatever just really connecting in in that way and it's just such a simple practice mm. nothing fancy doesn't cost anything it's just being out in nature and listening mm. to the, the sounds <laughs> I love it 
Second question is if you could recommend one book, I know, I know it's hard, but one book that everyone should read on their own journey of weaving the wild back into their lives, Mm. what would it be? Yeah, so many books. I am definitely a um a book over buyer. Um, <laughs> but one of the books that I constantly find myself, you know, referring back to and quoting from is Burning Woman by Lucy H. Pierce. I just I remember the first time I read it and I was just nearly every page I think I turned through, I was highlighting, I was underlining, I was just like, boom, like wow. Yes. So I love mm-hmm. that book. So that would be my my pick for today. Oh my goodness. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that I read that book on your recommendation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's an amazing book. Yeah. Beautiful. And then finally, how are you currently weaving your wild at the moment? So what are you doing, exploring or feeling called toward in your own rewilding journey at the moment? Yeah, so I'm feeling, yeah, just a a constant pull, I think, to rewild, Um, I've been feeling a really strong pull for for many years, but particularly in the last couple of years. Look, I'd I'd really love to to move out into you know nature and to have a more spacious property. Um, yeah, just to really be on on the earth and and um, yeah have have some animals and and to be able to grow some more things. So that's definitely what I'm feeling. My call is um, I've got teenagers in high school at the moment so I'm trying to sort of navigate you know the reality um for now and and maybe sort of plant a few seeds for a couple of years down the track but um that's definitely what I can envisage as the next stage for me sort of moving a little bit further out of suburbia and and just onto some land and and really being able to hold space for women um in that capacity yeah Mm. oh it's the dream. <laughs> it's the dream. Give me a cottage and some herbs and yeah. I'll be right. That's that's all I really want. <laughs> I can see you little like, yeah, being like a little cottage witch out, yes. out in a garden, <laughs> heaven. Yeah, that's it. It's the dream. Amazing. Is there anything finally that you would love to share with the, the listener? I know I kind of asked around rites of passage, but anything else that you just would love for anyone listening today to receive and take with them? Yeah, I think. Just connect in, just connect in with other women, um, you know, source out other older women in your community as well, like women that have got the wisdom, you know, the margas and the crones. I often drive past a place near where I live and I see this divine crone woman out the front and I've vowed that I'm going to stop one time and I'm going to actually go and have a big conversation with her because I can just sense the wisdom and the knowledge that she must have and and I just want to sit with her and and just absorb being in her presence so yeah I guess particularly the the opportunities if they're there to sit with the older wise women I think that's a part um, of our journeys that we are really disconnected from and, and that we really lack and I think I'm really feeling drawn to probably sit and connect in more with the old women as I begin to sort of move more towards the Marga stage of my life as well but I think just being with other women and not always just online like online is great but being you know in connection being able to to sit with women in circle and and just connect with your sisters I mean it's just so powerful and so magical so if you can have that um, opportunity then take it Amazing. And how can we find you? Is there like share with us how can we find you on Instagram and any offerings that you might have that we can work with you? 
you can find me on Instagram. Um, I'm under Sacred Feminine Collective and you can also find me at my website, sacredfeminincollective.com. Um, I've got lots of offerings both in person and online. Um, I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one work with women on their pregnancy journey, preparing for labour and birth, as well as um, in-person gatherings. Uh, I've got a, a gathering of the Sacred Feminine happening uh, in a couple of months, which is a six-month journey where women connect with each other and we birth all sorts of magic and shamanic medicine drums and really go on a journey of deep connection to the feminine and into the cycles and the seasons. So that's um, pretty magical. But, yeah, all my bits and pieces can be found on, yeah, Instagram and on my website. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Bryony. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Weaving the Wild podcast. I'm walking my path here on Jaja Jaja Country. I acknowledge the Jadwarong elders past and present.